Good morning, listeners. Uh, excited for another episode of Chris and. Uh, this week, we have uh, a good friend of mine, uh, somebody I met through the comedy scene. He's a wonderful human being. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome Mr. Ryan, Ryan Middendorf. Hey. <laughs> I think I said Ryan at the at the beginning there. I'm a little out of sorts. I got like two hours of sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? I'm doing all right, man. <laughs> Coming out of some pretty crazy stuff, man. I, I'm seeing it, seeing the light. You know what I mean? I'm. Uh... Well, let's start at the beginning first. I want to get. I don't want to go too hot right away. You grew up in a little town called Westminster Dog Show, right? Is that Long Prairie, Minnesota, dude? <laughs> yep, milking cows. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. So, yeah, what was it like growing up uh, on a on a dairy farm and living the simple life? It was really wholesome for the most part, especially like when we were really kid, little kids. Like we got a lot of outdoor time. We got to like we had like a rope swing in our hay barn. We had two barns: one that was old and decrepit, and one that we actually milked cows out of. And there was the in the old decrepit one, there was like a hay barn. We had to play games in there all the time. We'd swing my little brothers on there. Like we would pretend that we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh with like the big <laughs> monsters in there and stuff. Like we were hiding things in there, man. We were driving our bikes around all over the place. You know, it was a good time. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that play, pretend playing Yu-Gi-Oh. That's so, so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, here push up on on this guy a smidge. There we go. Get your tall boy energy in there. Perfect. Oh, that oh, you sound so good. You're hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. So you have a younger brother, right? I got two younger brothers and oh, a two sister. Two younger brothers. Yep. And a sister? Uh-huh. The two youngest are twins. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yep. It's all coming back to me now. I believe you saw him at the wedding. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. so you're the oldest? I'm the oldest. Uh-huh. The eldest. So was there added pressure on you growing up, did it feel? A little bit, yeah. And they kind of knew that I had a little bit of brains in me, too. So... Um, I felt from like a bit of a younger age, like that I was a little bit, uh, that I kind of had expectations Yeah, put on me a little bit. Um, you know, I did, did, uh, have a great inclination to farming though. I loved the tractors. I loved the cows. I didn't like the cows until I started learning about them. Then I really loved them, but I loved the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's such an empowering thing as a kid, like these huge, you know, hundreds of pounds. How, like how much does a cow weigh? Um, cows, they weigh like 2000 pounds at full grown. Yeah. About 1500 pounds. Yeah. So being like an 80 pound boy, being able to move around these 2000 pound behemoths, that's pretty empowering. And then getting to operate the machinery. Yeah, I started learning how to drive tractors when I was like 13, 14. The first time I ever did it, I was nine. Holy smokes. That was scary, though. We had one tractor where we were pulling a bit, like I was pulling a load of round bales down a hill at this old guy Jerome's place, and 
one of the gears in the tractor, unbeknownst to us, was actually out and it uh, locked into place. And it, I don't know what all happened, but yeah, I almost flew down the hill too fast. My dad hopped out of his skid loader and chased me down on that thing. And uh, I was able to turn the corner fast enough to not run into a fence. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That was your first time? First time ever. Oh, shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so, yikes. Yeah, there's a lot of ways a kid can uh, get himself into injuries out there, dude. Like, <laughs> Holy smokes, dude. That's fucking wild. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I love that whole like farm community of like, if somebody's going out of... like. Cause you never get days off. Like, mm-hmm. so if you're going to go out of town, you got to hope that your neighbor is nice enough to be willing to come over and help out. <laughs> Did you guys have a, a good relationship with the, the neighbors? We knew all of our neighbors growing up. In fact, I think it's kind of weird when I come out here that we don't know our neighbors anymore. Like we knew everybody pretty well. They all came over and helped us. We helped them and my uncles lived down the road. They were farming too. His uh, in-laws lived down the road. They also farmed. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just a whole community, man. Everybody that milks cows in Long Ferry pretty much knows of each other. Wow. That's funny that you mentioned that about the whole neighbors thing. Not only do we not know our neighbors anymore, we don't want to know them. Yeah, Like, we're all, like, introverted and, like... Yeah. Was religion uh, important to you growing up? Very. in, In your family? Yeah, I took it pretty I took it pretty heavy too, man. I like my faith was very important to me growing up, man. I grew up Catholic, went to a Catholic school. I went to the public school until I was about in first grade and then my parents asked me like, "Hey Ryan, do you want to go to St. Mary's?" and I'm like, "All right." You know, I don't know. I'm having a hard time make Yeah. Here, pull, you can pull like you can move this if you feel like moving. You can go ahead and move along with this bad boy. Sick. <laughs> okay, that sounds a bit more clear now. Yeah, so I uh, moved to St. Mary's when I was like in seventh, when I was in like second grade, and um, I took to God like that, dude, like real quick. And uh, yeah, it uh, my teachers liked me a lot for that. You know, I like really liked going. I ended up liking going to church. Which is pretty rare for for younger kids. <laughs> I fucking I hated I, it. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a I wanted to be a priest. Did you? And I was going to ask that too. Like, did you figure that out like at a pretty young age too? Yeah, I. You know, I think what what's crazy now is like I've learned about meditation and stuff, and what they were teaching us was meditation. Yeah, prayer. You know, you, you <clears throat> silence your mind and let God come in. That's all meditation really is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. So, growing up and going to that school, good group of friends uh, going to that school? Yeah, we had a class. I think by sixth grade, my class was six kids. What? (laughs) Yeah. Very small. (laughs) That's like the fucking 1900s small. Like, It's like a schoolhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. I didn't realize it was such a small... Okay, okay, hold on. So now Long Prairie Public School must have been where almost everybody went. Yeah. So like, did you, so you know everybody at your school, basically? Oh, yeah. Yeah, class was 86 kids. Even at Long Prairie? Yeah, in Long Prairie, Gray Eagle, that high school was 80, our graduating class was 86 kids. Wow. So everybody pretty much knew everybody. 
for the most part. We knew everybody in the school. Dude, that's wild. Yeah. So, okay. Now, the the photo that you you shared with me today, uh, well, I guess with everybody today, is uh, of you guys playing cops and robbers. Yeah. And you had such a big smile on your face. <laughs> I love it so much. I love that photo, too. <laughs> so, now, so, okay. So, like, is that what you remember the most is, like, you do school stuff and then you guys just play until the sun goes down? Um, that was over the summer, but, uh, yeah, pretty much you'd get home, ride around on your, do homework, ride around on your bike, you know, play Game Boy. I'd play Pokemon a lot. Um, you know, fiddle around outside, you know what I mean? Go climb on some stuff. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. So, and you said you, you guys played cops and robbers until you started driving? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome, dude. And I mean, so what that reminds me of, of youth group for some reason, like, so did you do youth group too? Uh, I did like vacation Bible school. I did a couple retreats in high school too. We did like, um, we did like Steubenville retreats where you'd go to like Steubenville, Ohio, or we went to like Kansas city, Missouri one year, I think it wasn't in Minneapolis. I did a couple other retreats too. No way. Yeah. So yeah. would you like meet up with other schools then? There was, it was huge. Like they filled up a dome. It was like a, yeah, it was like a mega church. Whoa. It was like a, like a high, like a hockey rink in a college or a university. And it'd be full of other people who were going there too. other kids. Wow. It dude. was the biggest thing like I had seen at that point. Okay. That was my next question. So you go, you're doing these small things and then you see this fucking megadome. Yeah. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, brother. What was that like? It was insane, man. Like it was the most powerful thing I'd ever seen at that point. And probably for a long time after that. Um so they uh had um priests come down at the end of the thing and then they would like bring out the Eucharist. And I, I don't remember what it was called. It was like a it started with a C, but it was like this, it was like a mass adoration and it was like a Eucharist in a big cross that was made out of gold and very ornate oh, and okay. they would bring it down and we'd all be chanting and singing our songs and people would start literally speaking in tongues and like passing out. They'd be like laughing. It was crazy, dude. People Whoa. would, yeah. It was the most powerful thing ever. And then they'd ask us if we'd want to be, who's, who's going to be a priest, you know? And then a few people would come down and it was, it was dope. I ran down there one time, man. It was like one of the most powerful moments of my life. That's <laughs> that incredible. We, we all went to confessions, man. It was the best. So it was this was like a non-denominational thing? No, this was straight Catholic. I didn't know Catholics spoke in tongues. I didn't know that either. <laughs> That's so wild, dude. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I honestly can't imagine because the the church that I went to was like nobody clapped. It was very like vanilla. No, I, there was super long services and everybody was like very reserved. And so anytime like when I grew up and started to see churches like that, I was like, what the fuck? They're like having so much fun. Wow, how come we can't go like play bass guitar and and throw our hands in the air and shit? 
And my parents were like, because the church is boring. It's supposed to be boring. So <laughs> that's what I thought, too. <laughs> that's what I thought as a younger kid, man. So when you see that, like, did the the notion of, oh, if I become a priest, like, it's actually going to mean something. It, it could affect a bunch of people. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like... Um I wouldn't say, yeah, you'd you'd be like the leader of the parish, damn. I mean, you'd be kind of uh, helping a lot of people out in the parish. You'd be kind of a figure in the community, especially in where I grew up. You know what I mean? Oh, so you wanted to be, you wanted to stay in Long Perry? I don't know. I didn't really know where that would take me, honestly. <laughs> but I also wanted to milk cows too. So, dude, the milking priest. A lot of pre- like my favorite priest, Father Mark, that I grew up with. He was an actual big role model to me. He actually grew up milking cows too, so we always bonded on that. I, I mean, it's you really like your uh, like your youth is sounds so much like my parents' youth that it's like it's weird to think that you're younger than me and you <laughs> <laughs> had this experience of like six people in your class going to the Thunderdome and, but then you go back to milking cows and, and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. It's like the wizard of Oz. Milking cows. Yeah. It's a different world, man. Different world. <laughs> so when you were growing up, was there ever a point that you felt different from the other kids? Yeah. I didn't really know why, but I kind of did. I was very awkward, like really awkward growing up. I had a hard time making friends, but the ones that I did make, the ones that I, well, I didn't have a hard time making friends. I just had a hard time communicating with people, but they knew I meant well. Okay. You know, so the friends that I did make were very close and very important to me. I knew I would, I, I knew I had something different to say, you know, I had a bit of a different perspective, but, um... Yeah, I knew there was something going on that I I had, I was bringing some, you know, I mean, I knew that what I was living in was a lot different than someone else. And I felt pressure to kind of make something out of that. Okay. Yeah. So to like, hopefully make a connection. Like when I was growing up, I had this like deep feeling of like, I'm going to do something that like really matters in like a way that... Yeah. To leave a legacy kind of thing. Does that make sense? Like, I I for sure thought that, like, because I had people tell me that I was going to convert people, like, thousands of people to Mormonism. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm me, so why wouldn't I fucking do that? And so I always had, in the if not, like, if I wasn't infatuated by whatever the thing was, there was always something in the back of my head that was like, there's something, I know there's like a destiny is kind of what I always felt would circle around in my head. Did you ever, did you have stuff like that? I always wanted to kind of find a career that I really loved and then dedicate everything to that. I don't, I don't know if the pressure, the pressure I don't think was external. It was mostly internal, mm. but I felt like I had to do something big. Like I still kind of catch that once in a while and I have to like, slow that like pump the brakes on it a little bit before it gets a little too crazy because it's so frustrating like especially when you're growing up and yeah. the thing hasn't happened yet or as dumb as this sounds like i almost thought that like at one point i thought i could like manifest powers like whoa yeah not a lot of people know this about me but like when i was probably 14 
uh, I like, yeah, just straight up thought that like I could like Kamehameha some shit out of my hands because what I know now is like I was having a manic episode and like freaking the fuck out, but I was, I got so frustrated that I hadn't done what like this destiny fulfilled thing that I hadn't figured out what my magical purpose was. And because I couldn't accomplish it, I just like hungered down in a corner and was like going like this with my hands, trying to like make a ball of energy. Cause at that time I had met people. Do you know what a Wiccan is? Yeah. So I had dated a girl that was Wiccan. I had friends that like had told me that they had had, experiences with ghosts and all this shit so it's like okay well the world is magic so obviously that means that i can fucking you know hadouken my fucking energy ball or whatever and and then when that didn't happen i thought that i had this like really intuitive like i like i thought that i could communicate with like otherworldly things like i i went to this house and these names were carved in a tree and I touched the tree and my mind like zoomed into the this garage that was on another part of the, the property. And I went and I was about to go in it and my uncle goes, hey, don't go in there. And I'm like, oh my God, something horrible happened in there. But now I can be like, no, just it's somebody else's fucking house. You don't just go wandering around in their fucking house. So it's frustrating to be like, it's so real in the moment and trying to understand that. And then because it's like, I know me, I know this feeling that I have and I know how real it feels. So it's gotta be real or it's, it's gotta lead to something. So like, that's why I feel like you and I connect so much is because of like that shared frustration of all that shit growing up. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. I want to hear more about your story. <laughs> oh, no, reality can be a pretty malleable thing, man. Yeah. Think about it. That's and yeah, exactly. It's what it feels like. It feels like there's you know, like another dimension that we're going to somehow tap into and so I'm curious as to like what that looked like for you. Um when because like when you have the the spiritual stuff you you literally feel like you have these other connections. Yeah, I think you interpret it. You t- you interpret things happening around you as God making them happen, or, um, you know, they're coming as a result or of of a well, everything that happens as a result of something else, I guess. But there's otherworldly things at play. Yeah, I get what you mean when you say like you know is a result of. It's not as a result of like. You know, I opened up a car door and therefore it swung open. It's like I thought of a thing and a door opened and that's result of my connection to, you know what I mean? Like we don't see the simplicity in the thing. There's a bigger, bigger force at play rather than it just being this simple thing. So I, I was right there with you when you said that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how I thought of shit too. I still feel like that. I know, and I hate that. I well, and I don't mean because you do. 
I am an atheist. I'm a logical person. I have all these things. But still in the back of my head, I'm like, but what if, what if you were that the apprentice in Fantasia and you got to be Mickey Mouse and you were splitting brooms in half and they were multiplying and I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Fantasia? Uh, a little bit. I, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I guess it's, it's one of the broomsticks. Or yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty wild. But I mean, it's, I mean, I know what it is now and I know why I have those things is because my brain is like chemically geared to, do shit like that and i'm always gonna feel some emblance of that forever it's just a matter of like how do i make sure to stay grounded and not let that i hate to say trick me but like i don't know how else to say it like trick me into thinking that there's this like massive like like that i'm somehow better than other people just because i feel it and I don't mean it to sound like that, but like that I have some special ability that other people don't. And that's why I have to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like, kind of frustrating at times. Yeah. So like you in the religious path, like the more that you kind of felt separated from things, I'm curious as to like, did it feel like, the cl- the more you went down did it did it drive you further down the religious path and like um eventually i started getting kind of angsty with it um but i i still felt like i was very like very very catholic you know and but eventually it was like how come the things that i i turned like 15 you know and i was like how come like there's so much temptation out here how come i i'm so horny all the time but it's going to send me to hell. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Yeah, and then I started just kind of like, I don't know, man. Like, that bothered me a little bit. Dude. But like, <laughs> and and then, um, but uh, I still I still felt strong about, like, God and everything. I, I started looking at other career options and stuff. I, I kind of, like, the priest stuff kind of ended up going by the wayside a little bit. I got really hyper-focused on running, and that kind of became my whole world. Cross-country oh, and right. track. So, yeah, I just let that become my whole planet. Wow. That and working, pretty much. I mean, I know it sounds simple and childish to say the super horny thing, but to religious kids, that's a huge fucking deal. Yeah. I, man, my, my mom brought me to the Bishop and made me like confess to finding a nudie mag when I was like six years old. It's like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's normal kid stuff, man. Yeah. And, um, it, it feels like there's like the consequences for it are like way too high. (laughs) They're so high. It makes you kind of like, I think that's what turns people off of the church eventually. It's like, this is stuff that I really want. Like, why is this, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird because man, they really do when, and they don't realize, like, they think that they're protecting you by saying, you know, sex is bad. There's consequences, this and that, but they don't realize like you're saying Things like there's eternal consequences, yeah. which to a kid is fucking huge. Yeah. It's like I just got started and I already fucked up. 
What the fuck? How am I going to make it the rest of the way? One grade feels like a long time. That's one year in school. Like the difference Not even between, one year. It's yeah, nine months. Nine months. <laughs> the difference between ninth grade and 10th grade is huge. Yeah, man. I, I relate to that so hard. I think a lot of people do. Like pe- kids who grew up in really religious settings, the whole you know, puberty and sexuality thing are fucking so detrimental. Yeah, and it's like, am I supposed to, like, condemn gay people now, too? Or... Oh, my God. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually curious about that. Like, what was... Did you ever meet any gay people growing up? There were kids that I knew were gay, definitely. Because you made out with them, or...? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, they, I just knew... But what was, because I remember like my feeling towards people that were transgender. I was like, dude, what the fuck? God made you a boy or a girl. Knock it off. Why do you got to change shit? Yeah. I didn't even know why all of it was bad. I just knew it was like I was supposed to think that, I guess. And That's a fucking trip too, because so like, did those kids come out? Uh, not when I was in high school. Well, okay. maybe I don't. I didn't know him well enough to be to be really honest with you, man. I really just didn't know. I hope. I hope. I I know one of them did. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like experience versus what you're told. Did you have conflicts in that regard? Yeah, I did, and I didn't question it just a whole lot, but it was always there. It was always just kind of ying ying ying, kind of nagging in the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just dude. tried to stay super busy all the time how did you deal with anxiety um i usually just worked a lot man i just like so would you like go away from people and just keep yourself busy i would just get i would pack my schedule i would work oh. all day at school get as much homework as i could done go to practice run get my energies out go home milk cows do homework, repeat, you know? Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty full day for a high school. Yeah, for a high school kid, that's a super full day. Yeah. Not to mention all of the existential stuff that's going on in your head. And over the weekends, I would try and work as much as I could, too. Really? Yeah, just go out in the field if it was that time of year. That's so wild thinking of you because you're so fun to be around. <laughs> that like, I had to learn that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, everybody who thinks of you, I'm fast-forwarding a little bit, people, but Ryan is, like, one of the most enjoyable people in the world, and your signature move is that laugh, and all of your friends, we all love it so much. It's, like, one of the greatest, besides the joke writing, which is top-notch, but your your laugh, because it's so innocent, and it makes other people feel like... Oh, dude, I can be happy right now. Everyone should be able to. Yeah. But so that's interesting to hear that you had to learn that. Like, what made you think that you had to, like, did you have awareness to like, okay, I need to start fucking socializing or what was... I learned that in college. I got to college and I was like, I'm going to have a good time here, man. Like, um, I don't have cross country anymore. I have all this free time. I better make the best of it, you know? So, yeah, I started drinking a little bit, you know, meeting a lot of new people and just having a good time. Did you use drinking to make it easier to hang with people or was that just some, uh, like a 
a byproduct of hanging with people. That's just being in college and kind of a byproduct of being out there and about with people and stuff. I really liked it at the time. It served its purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. one way of looking at it for sure. Yeah. I mean, did you, like, were you diagnosed with ADD or anything like that growing up? I got diagnosed with ADD in uh, about seventh grade. I had a really hard time, like a really hard time with math. Mm. And my math teacher cared about me a lot. And um, he uh, had an after school program and I went and put all that work into it and stuff. And I would have a whole page full of numbers and stuff going up and down the page. And I just could not figure out these algebra problems. And uh, he's like, and your son has ADHD, ADD, man. You should try and put him on some, you should maybe take him to a doctor or something. And uh, we tried it. I, I, I took I took Stratera for like four days and I was like, nah, this ain't doing anything. But I didn't know much about psych meds either. So just kind of quit taking Stratera. Um, so yeah. with, I mean... I was a, quite a space cadet. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I'm trying to like skirt, figure out how to ask these questions because obviously I know your story, but I, I want it to make sense to to people that are listening. So, so we we know what grandiose thinking is now. Yeah. Do you remember when that started to happen? Honestly, I didn't get bipolar diagnosed until I was like 22. Okay. Yeah, so I think if I told people what I was thinking about, they're just like, oh, he's got big dreams, man. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) You know, I I got, I got the, I got the, I got different diagnoses leading up to bipolar. You know what I mean? Like that didn't kick in until I was 22, man. 21, 22. But I mean, looking back on it now, because like I can look back on shit now and be like, oh, that was a manic episode. And that was this thing. Like, do you... When you started to get these diagnoses, did you start to look back on things and go, oh, that's what that was? Um, Yeah, a little bit. Like, I felt I had a lot on me to um, save the environment. I thought I was going to be single-handedly, like, responsible for fixing the world and its problems and stuff. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, man. Yeah. You can't clean the ocean on your own, dude. <laughs> you can't stop climate change on your own. I don't care how much stamina you have from track. Not a bit, man. Yeah. (laughs) With those feelings and that enthusiasm, you're right. People just think, wow, look at him. He really cares about the environment. I guess I'm I'm curious as to like, what was the first like traumatic event that kind of put things in a, into a different realm? I think, well, I found out what sweatshops were when I was, I don't think that's traumatic, but I found out what sweatshops were when I was nine. And so I was like, there's no way that a kid my age is working in a sweatshop right now. I got to do something about this. And that's when I started kind of thinking over the edge of like, I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to get rid of the sweatshops as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's a true. I don't think that's really that. It depends on the person, though, because like you're saying, someone my age having to do the labor of what in America are at least 18 year olds. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super heavy, dude. And it's like it's 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 like you're at a place where you're like, if you don't lean back, you pull this guy. Feel free to manhandle that. Absolutely. Pull it down. Yeah. There you go. Relax. There we go. (laughs) So, yeah, you're in a place where like you believe that Santa is still real, but also 
Like, you know how messed, like how fucked up the world can be. Dude, that's a <laughs> great a, example. Yeah, it's kind of a weird realm to be in. And now, me make it even weirder, those sweatshops, what if that's how Santa's... They're those, not elves. Those are the elves. Those are the elves. Those kids are, are these the elves. nine-year-old workers. God damn. Yeah, that's what I found out. <laughs> so yeah, man, I think that gives a good like example of how the anxiety overwhelms you once you find that shit out. Because some people are like, that sucks. That, bums, that makes me sad. And other people are like, I got to fucking do something about it. We're just like, you're only nine, dude. You can't do shit. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that's a good starter for like kind of how you viewed the world going forward. And like, like I said, like for some reason we think that when we find out these injustices that we're like the knights called to come in and, and correct these things. Like I was really good at talking with people when I was a kid. Like I could get people much older than me to open up about stuff. And so people would unfortunately like feed into me being like, yeah, I'm going to be like a prophet or something for sure. Cause look at me go, dude. And that's too, like you said, it's too much fucking pressure for a little kid to be doing shit like that. Yeah. And when you're a kid too, I think you think it's normal. So you don't really think it's like, oh, this isn't something I got to tell a therapist about, man. I'm just going to carry it around. (laughs) Yeah. Therapy? Who fucking goes to therapy? Yeah. That's for people in movies. Yeah. So when, when you had your first, what, I mean, first like documented episode, right? Because for me, I had a bunch of episodes before anybody realized what the fuck was going on. But I'm curious for you, like, did you have episodes before the, the, the major one? No, I had a lot of really, really rough mental. I had a lot of rough men, like really rough depression and kind of like hypomania swapping up oh. and down real quick before I, before it just busted loose. Okay. Yeah. So no, nobody else saw that, but you knew that it was happening to you. I think my parents knew. I was very involved. With, you know, like they were in my life a lot, man. You oh. know, they saw me milk cows every night. They, I was at home milking with them, you know, and I saw my therapist a lot. She kind of probably saw that coming too. You know, she saw the lot. You know, she saw the rocks. Wait, 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 wait. So you saw a therapist as a kid? Oh no, this is when I was 22, Chris. I haven't had. I I didn't have like mental health problems until I was like a senior in high school. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, I guess, I guess, so I was probably projecting it because my shit was going on before I, before anybody said, let's take him to a therapist. Cause I didn't go to a therapist until I was 17 either. Okay. And, but there were other things that when I look back, I record, so I guess, so they didn't, none of, nothing that happened to you felt like, anything of of uh of note until that that major episode you're saying nothing that felt like it was really out of the ordinary because i thought like most of these kind of delusions were normal things i really did you know i think a lot of kids kind of have you know they're all like i'm gonna be an astronaut you know i mean like (laughs) yeah for sure you know i mean those are just big dreams you know when it gets to be a dangerous place is when you're an adult and you're trying to function and that's when it gets to be spooky. 
Okay. When so, you start thinking you really are a prophet or something like that. Let's get to the danger zone then. Okay. <laughs> bum, it, bum, bum. If you're if you're ready for it. All right. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh I don't care. I'll go first. So I thought that somebody was gonna beat me up and I had a massive panic attack in the middle of class. Mm. So bad that they cleared out the classroom and I uh as they were clearing out the classroom, ran into my teacher's back office and hid under his desk for two or three hours. Holy cow. And uh, that's when my parents were finally like, so maybe we need to get you some professional help because we didn't know it was going to happen this fucking bad. So like that was the stepping, that was the first part. But again, similar to you, like I didn't, get diagnosed with like my hypomania and, and all that shit until I was 33. Whoa. So people just thought I was just a goofy outgoing dude. And it's like, no guys, I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and the reason I want to say that is because I don't want this to feel like we're just unloading your shit. Like, I want you to know that like, and I want people to know that are listening that it, we look, we, it looks and acts different for every person. What you may, what somebody may perceive as like just an outgoing dude who's outspoken in all these things. Another person may have these bigger episodes and it just, they manifest in different ways. My shit manifested in what was perceived as normal which sounds like actually a lot like what you were going through um, until it's not normal, which sucks. Bit of a reality shifter. Yeah. It's like the veil lifts and you're like, oh man, what have I been living in this whole time? Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the danger zone with you. Okay. So the first panic attack, you want to know, like go from like step one or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they go without anybody doing anything about it that usually gets worse. Yeah. So when I was in like a uh, junior in high school, I had like the first episode, like not an episode, but the first situation where I felt like legit, like suicidal. It was at a uh, track practice and I was stretching after practice and I just felt like I wanted to die. Like in that moment I was just zapped, just fucking like a 180 switch just hit on me. And I was like, Oh, kill yourself. And uh, I didn't really know why. I just drove home after practice, and I was really confused by it. But I was like, all right, well, time to go milk cows again. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of, that went to the back of my mind. And then, you know, I was in English class, and then we were reading about the poem, A Dream Deferred. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about dreams. We are talking about where do you want to go in life? What do you value and stuff? I really did not know. I truly didn't know. And I realized that in a moment, and I ran out to school also wow, with like a panic attack, but I let that one slide for like a whole year. <laughs> Kept working all summer, you know, just trying to push it down. Yeah. But eventually I could not take that anymore. So my senior year fall, it was like right before we went to right in the middle of cross country season. And, um, I just couldn't take it anymore, man. I started having these panic attacks like all the time 
And I would run out to school, you know, I would go to the therapist's office just screaming like, I don't feel good at all. Wow. Yeah, I would, you know, everything just seems so fucked up, you know, and like, like the cows are in shit up to their knees, man. Like, I don't, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. About any of it, you know, it all just seemed really fucked. And then, uh, yeah, kept moving through that. I got some counseling and stuff. Um, come spring, I, I signed up to go to Ridgewater College for dairy management. Okay. Yep. And uh, went to school for about a year, you know, didn't have any real, I had a couple panic attacks. I'm like, oh, I'm just diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. That's a normal thing to be doing. <laughs> But I probably should have, that should have been a turning point, but I just, you know, kind of kept going and stuff. But I mean, it just goes to show how far we still have to go with recognizing mental health. Yeah. Because, I mean, it feels like it's still very recent that people go, oh, this means we should ask this other question to make sure that there isn't another thing going on. Like for me, like addiction, uh, massive depression, all of these things, like people thought, oh, you just deal with the one thing and then everything's better after that. And it's like, usually there's a couple things, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I say that and then sometimes I meet people who are just like, yeah, no, I just get sad sometimes and that's it. I'm like, really? You don't like you're when you're driving on a bridge, you're not like, I wonder how tall I wonder if I jumped off this bridge, if it would take care of it, or do I need to find a taller bridge? You never have like those thoughts? Oh, that's a yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a spooky little wormhole to go down, man. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, is like some people are like, No, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm like, Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess I'm just wackadoo. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> um, okay, so please continue. Yeah, so I'd keep having these kind of split second blasts of depression. And um, the, these continued out through college, but I was still having a fun time. My second year, they put me on Paxil. I was still having as much fun as I'd ever had. You know, I was out drinking with my friends a lot. You know, I was out... I was out cracking jokes with everybody. That's, I, yeah, I found out I was kind of funny, man. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was watching a lot of comedy specials with my cousin Reed, best friend. I was living with him. And uh, I found out, I, like looking back now, I was having hypomania back then. People just thought I was a crazy guy, but I would stay up like till like one or I would stay, I'd pull all nighters once in a while. You know, just like shaving my legs or doing something like that, you mm -hmm. know, just uh, eating a lot of candy, drinking a lot of beers, drinking a lot of pop, you know, just kind of recklessly not watching myself, man. And then I graduated from college and then I think the reality that like my friends are splitting up. Oh, that's when my like my mentals got as bad as I'd ever seen them get. They got really messed up then. Yeah, that realization once you're out of, like, life changes for me have been always kind of rough. So, like, once you get out of college and you realize, like, oh, yeah, my buddies are all pretty busy now. They're all in their own lives. They've all split up. We're not a group anymore, man. 
you know, and um, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be, man. Maybe I should try more stuff before I settle down on the farm forever, you know? Yeah. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because I'd only worked on the farm, you know, after school and uh, like on weekends. I didn't know that this was a 24-7 job. And I found out pretty quick, you know, like that's what you got to do. Yeah. You're always going to be at home for the most part unless you make plans to go do things. So I started making, I yeah, I had my first hospital visit after a street dance. Wait, okay. Around that time too. Rewind. 2016. So you you go to a street dance. Tell me more about like what happened. I got a depression blasted and had a panic attack on the way. I like had to leave. I'm like, oh, I feel a panic attack coming on. Got in my car and just got blasted with like screaming depression. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm going to kill myself if I don't check myself in. So I did that. You know? Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Not everybody has the wherewithal to be able to do that. So, I mean, that's that's pretty huge. What did that feel like going into the hospital for the first time? I wanted to give the male nurse a hug, but uh, he rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> this fucker's trying to grab me. <laughs> <laughs> guy i just love a lot come here that's fucking funny i was just fucking hyped to see somebody man yeah um yeah my parents says that they were very very concerned um you know they they we all drove home and stuff and they're like what was that man how are you know how are things okay like you know they were very concerned but they didn't really know what to do you know and i don't <laughs> i don't blame them man what do you do in that situation yeah um well i mean in small towns there isn't a whole lot of like mental health talk going on yeah <laughs> you just work through shit and, or drink it off like yeah. kind of man you just kind of uh, yeah like the clinical depression diagnosis don't get mentioned as much as they probably should man absolutely not yeah uh, my mom's family grew up in a, a small farming town and my, none of them until they were in their fifties realized that any of them had any mental health issues. Yikes. So years, decades after all of the shit had already gone down and like, yeah, they would just be like, you just, Oh, just buck up, cheer up. Ah, eh, you'll get through this. Like all of the, the one liner stuff that, that they're told and it just like you said push it push it down <laughs> carry on carry on push it down there's pretty, work to be done pretty stoic man mhm yeah yeah cuz for them it's awkward they're like i never feel like that i don't know what to fucking tell you yeah rather than em empathy it's unless it's work related it's hard to like <laughs> to try and relate with people so I okay. So you do. So the street dance thing. So did you get put on meds or? Um, I think they bump. I don't remember correctly, but if I remember correctly, I think they tried to put me on this stuff called Buse Bar, and okay. that shit was not vibing with me, man. I went off of that in like a couple of days. I'm like, nope, not a bit. Nah, not having it. And I was like 21 at the time too, so I was smoking weed and drinking a lot too. I I had started smoking. And that's never mix psych meds with alcohol or, or never, never mix psych meds with weed. Definitely not with weed or any kind of psychedelics or any of that shit, man. Yeah. 
it's a terrible, terrible combination, but I was doing it. I was foolhardy enough to just keep pressing on like that, you know, and I went back. I, I was like, fuck, I got to go back to therapy, dude. And I uh, started doing that shortly after I started comedy, man. I, I started comedy like shortly after that visit. And that was like a big aha moment because as soon as I went to the Keller with my friends Nick and Houston, I was like, oh, man, these are my people out here. I fucking St. Cloud, I'm coming back. Like, I love this place. The Keller, dude. Like, I'm yeah. coming back here now. These guys are all super fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I always try to get this out of other comedians because I know, I know that there's depression in there. Like, <laughs> we're all fucking lying to ourselves if we're not, you know, openly talking about this shit. Um, I mean, there's a couple that that are not that way, but... Most of us have some type of, you know, either traumatic experience or something. And so when we find, you know, that trauma bonding, right? Kind of, yeah. That's why, um, you know, I'm stepping on things. But yes, you, so you you notice that these are your people. Yeah. And uh, I just put all my energy back into that, you know, I just kept... I just, it was like my new running, you know, that was the new thing for me. That was my identity. That's what I was putting all my effort into and stuff. And that was working pretty all right, but I was still making bad decisions. You know, I still fucking up my mentals quite mm -hmm. hard. And I thought maybe just getting, you know, blasted with suicidal depression is just something you have to just ride out. I think running was good for me and like making me tough and stuff, but maybe... <laughs> Maybe you don't have to endure this shit all the time, man. <laughs> like, maybe just really go take your mental seriously, you know? Isn't that funny to look back on now? Yeah, you don't have to just push on doing the same thing you've been doing and just be tough. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, especially when you grow up around that shit. Like, my, I'm, we have similar dads in the sense that, like, you just <laughs> keep fucking going. Yeah. Work. That'll, that'll cure what ails you, dude. Yep. Yeah. So it's just normal to just run out the barn, just screaming, dude. Like, <laughs> the only reason I'm laughing is because, I mean, are are you talking about you running out of the barn yeah. screaming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. My dad would do the same thing. Oh, that was interesting. You uh, want me to make you some toast? Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. And they. <laughs> Yeah, they'd do the best, you know, they did the best, they'd do the best they could, man. They would yeah. ask if, like, is your therapy going well with Jennifer, you know? Like, do you need to talk about anything? And, you know, do you, yeah. Don't you kind of feel like they're hoping you say no, though? Uh, hoping that I say no? Like, that, when, like, when they say, do you want to talk about anything? Oh, no, I'd just say no. I didn't want to talk about it too much. Yeah. I don't know, I'd just... I kind of felt like I wasn't in the place where I was supposed to be, but it was an uncomfortable situation, an uncomfortable conversation to have. Yeah. So I just kind of kept moving. I, I knew that I, I eventually it got to be too much. I'm like, I want to, I want to leave. Like, this isn't for me. Are you talking about therapy or farming? Farming. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, this is not what I want to be doing forever. That's when things started getting a little bit uncomfortable, I think. Is like when you know you're in a situation like that, you know that, you know, you can't, you start to feel like trapped 
and it's not really anyone's fault. It's just kind of how it is. Yeah, I just felt like I'd like I wanted to move to St. Cloud at that point or move to the cities. I was having so much fun out there. That's when I started kind of like rapid cycling my thoughts of like kind of like escape routes, you know, like kind uh-huh. of like ways to get out of there, things I was going to do, you know, I mean, even anything to, as far as like running to call, going to college again, getting my degree in psychology, man, like things that'll kind of like, like give you structure in your day again, because my mentals are just so fucked. I just wanted like some kind of structure. Yeah. Well, and if you want to just leave, then they're going to be like, well, why? And I relied on them for a lot too, man. I needed my health insurance. My, um, I had no idea how to get a job. I never held down a job for more than a couple months, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a super scary thing. Yeah, I just did not know how anything about the world, man. Because like I grew up in a different scenario, a little bit. I never held a job. Never leased an apartment. Never got my own car insurance. None of this shit, man. It's all brand new to me, and I did not know what to do. And it felt like there was no way out. That's super heavy. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah, I would just emotionally dump on people, <laughs> you know, which... You, you you would pull an Andy Keenan? Whoa, no, I did that to him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's so funny. Yeah. Keenan, you know we love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Keenan. <laughs> um... Yeah, I would just dump on people about all, all I, it just felt so fucked up and I did not know how to do anything about it. And then I would start rapid cycling thinking, which is when my therapist was like, you need to get checked for bipolar type two. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I filled out the questionnaire and stuff. I got diagnosed. I kept moving on. My mentals were still as fucked up. I was not listening to my therapist about meditating or not smoking weed. I wish, like in retrospect, I wish I would have just slowed down for just a week, just like a week, just slow down, like find out how to cope with yeah. this situation instead of rapidly trying to find ways out. Cause I think that eventually ended up kind of being my downfall. Yeah. Cause like the escape routes that I'd making would just get crazier and crazier. It would be like, you know, like let's start a beekeeping business where it's like, you're going to fucking buy a couple beekeep, like a couple bees, a suit, you know, one of those smoker things. You're going to save the bees. We're going to, um, make a whole bunch of money here and, uh, hopefully buy yourself a house someday, man. Like it's, that never came to fruition. <laughs> I'm no. going to have like a couple trucks, couple employees working for me, man. This shit's going to be dope, <laughs> you know? And then eventually it got to the point where, you know, I was kind of running the farm with my dad too, man. I was the herdsman there. Like I said, I got pretty good with the cows and stuff and, I was like half running that end of the farm and it got to, we were talking over and over about this freestall barn. It's a $250,000 addition to the barn. Holy smokes. Yeah. That got real spooky. Cause like, that's a big commitment, man. Then you got skin in the game, mm-hmm. you know, a $250,000 young farmer's loan is quite a commitment to make. Yeah. And you, uh, what did you say? You're 21. I was 23. Oh, 23. Okay. Yeah. And um, I didn't really want to. $250,000 to a million. 23-year-old is fucking crazy. Yeah, man. It's not uncommon, though. A lot uncommon. A lot of young farmers do it. Why really? Young farmers' loans. Yeah, man. You can buy a whole farm when you're 23 if you finagle it the right way. Holy smokes. Well, you can't really, though. You have to have some kind of reason for the bank to believe that you'd be able to successfully do it. You got to be working with, your, with someone else who's got a... You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Got a foot in the door. I, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy to think of. Yeah. And I think I was just like, this is too damn much, man. I, to think that like, oh yeah, you're 23. It's time for some skin in the game. <laughs> well, not just some skin in the game, but like basically for you to now set your entire life course from now until for fucking ever until you retire which is yeah. gonna be very late because yeah. farmers don't retire until they're until they can't do it anymore you know yeah so it just felt like there was no way out man and then one day came and my mental started getting worse and worse i started losing some weight i felt just as fucked up as i'd ever felt man i was listening to podcasts like all day to try and kind of drown out my thoughts and shit and um, i shaved my head after oh. watching Full Metal Jacket. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I got really into Fight Club around that time, too. <laughs> the movie or you started a Fight Club? Movie. <laughs> but I was kind of having a Tyler Durden breakdown, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, got a phone call from an old friend from high school who I really, really liked. I had a big old crush on her. But I kind of knew that our lives were going in separate paths, and I didn't want to like get in a relationship with her, too. Sure. We talked on the phone for two hours. It was like we had never left each other or anything, you know? And I was like, oh, that was quite a conversation, man. She was asking how I was doing and everything. And she was talking about how the new guy she was marrying and all that. And um, the next day, I was in my skid loader loading the TMR by myself. And just the truth hit me like a sack of bricks, man. Like, fuck. She's gone, dude. Like, uh, you're stuck here, bro. You're fucking stuck here. You fucked up, dude. Like, you're, you've been an idiot this whole, like, you've been a fool, kind of a fool this whole time for not taking your mental seriously, dude. Like, you should have been assertive, you know, you should have, like, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. All of it hit. It was just like a wave of regret, like, just as hard as that. It was like, it was like a delayed heartbreak that, like, smacked me, like, 10 times harder than I think it would have initially i don't know i dude i i know i couldn't relate more seriously like i have codependency issues so because of that every relationship i was ever in was the most important relationship i was ever going to be in like i would just decide it like immediately i would tell them i love them within like a couple weeks and it's just always a fucking shit show because I'd always fuck it up. And it's because I didn't real I didn't really understand what the fuck was going on. And the one time where it like really mattered with Kim, I almost I, I'm insanely lucky that I have the relationship, the family, everything that I have right now, because historically speaking, I should be living in a trailer park with my thumb up my butt. Like <laughs> I was just fucking so self-destructive, which, you know, is another thing that happens to, to folks like us. And it does man, especially at a certain age, you know? Yep. So that hits you. And then what happens after that? I go off my meds. Oh, I start walking around all day. I was telling my dad, like, dad, 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 I went down the wrong path, dude. I should have been a, I should have done this and I should have done that. He's like, what are you talking about, man? Eventually it got to the point where I was ruminating on that so much. It got to like, I should have been a priest. I should have been a priest. God was calling me to a priest and I missed the calling, dude. Steubenville, like six, five, six years ago, man, I was being called to be a priest. Oh, oh, okay. 
Yeah, like grandma gave you this book for your birthday from father to father, dude. This is the book that was supposed to change your life, but you didn't read it, man. All the stars were aligning. You were supposed to be a priest. And it felt like just an unforgivable sin. Like I had missed my calling to the priesthood. It's like, if you'd have just been a priest, none of this would have happened to you. You know, you would have never had to go through this, man. Like you would be in a different position than where you are right now. And um, we were farming without much, a lot of money too, man. Like it was getting pretty rough there too. There's a lot of shit going on too. So, so not only are you you're going through your own existential crisis, there's this other reality that's going on. Things just looked really fucked. Like the tractor that I had fixed in college, I did a complete overhaul on this one tractor. I ran it out of oil, oh. and it fucking burnt down, man. Like the fences were falling apart like things were just getting more and more unkept as i kept going off the rails and shit the place started looking like a mess people had to come out and help us clean it you know it just it got really fucked up and pretty dark maybe it ain't as dark as i remember it but the way that you're talking about it in that moment yeah it it absolutely was you know what i mean because yeah. that was your reality then what yeah. you were going through i I, I never want people to like, you know, like try to dilute how they really felt when that was going on because it shouldn't sound trivial. You shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed or anything of what you're going through because it's so fucking real in that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, my dad, he said like, if you, he, when I was going through that, he was like, man, if I had, a, if I had a seen you like this, I would have never. I would have never like let you come, not like let you come back, but I don't know, man. He said I would have never. Yeah. It, do you uh, re- rewind? I'm stuttering a lot. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's okay. I I think I get. Are you saying he? Would, I would. Would, I want to let you come back if I'd have seen you come like like this, but not in like a condemning way, but right. like in like a way where it's like, um, Jesus, you know, like this is really fucked up, right? I'm so sorry. Like, yes. Yeah, which is still hard to hear because then you feel like you let them down. Not really. No? No. Then I'm, I... I don't feel like I let them down, man. I At that time, I was so gone, like... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, though. I mean, it was like an inwardly spiral delusion. Yeah, well, and that's I more of like what I... I really fucked up. Yes, exactly. That's more yeah. of what I mean is like, you're like, God... I wish you didn't have to see me like this, like that, like that kind of inner monologue. Yeah. Of like, And then I just, I lost so much weight. My mom took me to St. Cloud to go get my thyroid tested and stuff. She thought I was having thyroid problems. Um, I, I was sent back to therapy and Jennifer, like my old therapist felt, felt it for me and stuff, dude. And like they sent me to the hospital to see what the fuck was going on. Yeah, like the timeline of things that were happening around that time are pretty uh, hazy to me. Like, I don't really know what order shit happened, but I stayed okay. up. Yeah, as soon as like I started spiraling like that, I stayed up for like five days. That's when they took me to the hospital. <sighs> for the for the thyroid thing you're saying? No, yeah. For the, into the psych ward. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I stayed up for five days straight. And... um I started getting those religious delusions and that's when things started getting really scary because I started reading as like they're an unforgivable sin. I'd start obsessively Googling that. I read about the story of Jacob and Esau. Do you know about that one? I feel like I've heard it before. Do you mind reminding me? 
Um, so Jacob and Esau were these two brothers in the Bible. I, I don't remember who they were sons of, but one was supposed to be given a great inheritance and the other one was jealous of him. And the one who kind of pissed away the inheritance was... Um, oh, the prodigal son story? Not prodigal son, but it was a little bit heavier to it than that. The prodigal son was forgiven. Esau was not forgiven. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, he pissed away the inheritance, kind of. And I thought I'd blown blown a chance at you know anyone taking over that farm. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. And I thought I fucked up just so bad, dude. Yeah, that I that I wasn't incarnation of Esau, and the only way to right my wrongs was to go to confession and then go to a church and find the Pope, find the priest, have him write a letter to the Pope so the Pope could write a book about me to tell the world what not to do. That's heavy. Yeah. So I drove, I, I, I took the truck, I drove down to Browerville, which is just a town over and I busted into the church in like the middle of the day. And, um, I was going to go tell the priest about all this stuff and I was looking scary thin, you know, I was cut, I had cow shit on my hands. I hadn't showered in a while, just a dirty looking skinny tall guy. That's when they, the maintenance guy at the church called the cops and my friend's dad, who was also a cop, picked me up and drove me to the hospital. I mean, that's, so the, the, uh, the guy knew who you were. Yeah. It was one of my best friends from high school. It was, it was, it was his dad. That's, I mean, that's pretty lucky. Yeah. I mean, that because that, not all <laughs> police officers are uh, trained to to handle that stuff. I'm lucky I was in. It was Lawn Prairie Police. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, we I we've seen how many stories of how that shit goes wrong, like a thousand ways. That's. Yeah, I could have got tackled or something. I, I yeah. Don't know. What was your experience of being on the the mental health unit? Um, I was only there for a couple hours, and they told my mom she could take take me back home. Okay, but it was really surreal at the time. It was like a different world. I remember one guy just going doggy 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 doggy, <laughs> and the one guy was like, "Look out for the devil. He's a trickster." And I'm like, "Jesus, I am in." A psych ward. Like, that's when it hit me, like... But you were only there for a few hours, you said? Just a few hours. Okay. Yeah, my mom took me home and kind of had me under watchful eye. But now, talking to them now, they were really scared for me that I was just going to fucking drive off in the middle of the night and go who knows where. Yeah. Because, like, the train was off the tracks, you know? Well, lucky you, I guess. I, my, I was on a mental health unit for five days the first Holy time that I cow. went. Yeah. Five. The reason I was laughing at the doggy doggy thing is because I've been around. <laughs> I basically lived with people like that for five days. It's a God. That's a whole nother fucking ball of wax. I don't know how else to say it, but it is. It's fucking it's awful. I mean, you're at the lowest point of your life. And then now you're you might not be as far gone as these people but they don't know what to do with you so they put you in with all of these other people and it's like yeah you gotta sleep with no faucets it's fucking crazy Mm -hmm. did they let you shower in there (laughs) yeah but that's good it was it was so weird like you had to 
push this thing yeah. and it would go for, I had, <clears throat> I had it figured out by the second time that I was, that I was on that unit. But at first I, I couldn't think straight. So I wouldn't know how, I think it's like 30 seconds, every 30 seconds you had to push the thing so that it wouldn't just constantly run. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're, it was just so fucking weird, but I remember uh, because Kim has worked on mental health units for so long that she like explained why everything was the way that it was. And like, you know, it's to make sure that you don't kill yourself and yeah. And all these things. And, and while I was in there, I was like, I bet I could still figure it out. Like based on what's around me and, and all that is. And because you're in with these other people, you're like, the first time I was there, I was like, I'm never getting out of here. Like, if they think that I'm as far gone as these people, that I need to be on this unit, like, obviously, I am absolutely crazy, and I'm never going to be able to leave. Like, when I, when Kim was driving, like, when I got to leave, and I was driving away, I thought it was a trick. I thought that they had set me up to where, like, okay, he's left, now hit the lights, and let's go get him. And we'll get him for trying to escape. And like, it was bad. It was not good. So after that, I think was the Common Roots. Common Roots Festival. So that's quite a while down the line. Up until that point, I'd been just working for my dad um, and just slowly, slowly recovering. Um, One thing that was happening too during that time is like, yeah, I got... Oh, yeah. Sorry. So we hadn't seen you for months. Yeah, I was gone. I was gone mentally, physically, just gone. So I was uh, working. I started a wrapper on fire, our hay wrapper. Oh, I thought you meant like M&M. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. So just trying to collect yourself or? Just basically trying to collect myself. It felt like kind of a battle every day and stuff. I uh, was trying to kind of get grips on reality again and stuff and... They're giving me Abilify, which is a pretty good drug. Yeah. Um, it makes you walk around quite a bit. And I was kind of just pacing around the farm for about five, six months. My friend took me out for my birthday. Uh, some of the situations got a little bit perilous because I was out in that state. I probably shouldn't have been working, but it actually did bring <laughs> me back to life a little bit. Yeah. Just gives you something to do. Even if you're just milking cows at the first part of the day and the last part of the day. God damn, it's better than sitting around and ruminating. Well, the other crazy thing though is like that's the that's the reality of like how mental health is dealt with in our society is that like after my first suicide attempt, I went to work the next day. Yeah. It's like, oh, life doesn't care. Life doesn't care, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> so you so it, that's why it's not surprising is like Nothing stops. Like everything keeps fucking going. It so it's it's extra hard to try and get your shit together because you're like, well, how quickly do I need to get back to normal or like what other people perceive as normal, so that I can, I don't know, be contributing again. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward. Did you, so did somebody invite you to Common Roots to come see them perform? Or? I felt like I was ready to just go back to the world again i started liking music again and that's a big moment when you know that things are coming back to normal so this is when when you and i finally like connected because all i had seen from you before was like you would just go on stage with some off the dome shit 
destroy the crowd and then be like, all right, I got school tomorrow. I'll see you guys. And like, (laughs) (laughs) so when I, you were, we were in the green room and you were sitting in a booth and everybody had left for some reason. It was just you and me. And I was like, just looking at you and I just somehow I knew and I was like, how's it going, man? Wow. And then you just like opened up and I was like, holy shit, I've been on a mental health unit too. And like, we just, from then on, we just got each other. (laughs) What does all of this mean to you today? What does it all mean to you today? Like all of the, the mental health, you know, diagnosis and all of these things, like what does it feel like it, it means to you now? It feels like something that I have to take very seriously like it feels like um it's not like a death it's not a scent it's not a life sentence you know it's not like you get this diagnosis you're fucked up you're crazy now it's like you can live a totally normal life you can live a good life just um watch yourself man don't if your therapist tells you not to mix psych meds with alcohol and drugs don't do that like it's pretty simple like don't (laughs) Watch your sleep schedule, man, like that. Just take care of yourself. Be easy on yourself. Don't put the weight of the world on your shoulders all the time, dude. Yeah, know that sometimes shit really is out of your control and it is really just your mentals being fucked up, you know. But also they are in your control. That's a weird one. Yeah. It's like... Well, the, the like, there's the side of the coin where there are things that are out of your control, the way that you perceive those things is what's in your control. Yeah. So I, I, I got you. Sorry. I tested your toast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sucks to like, to be adults and we, we have to <laughs> go through all this shit because by this point we feel like we should have figured it all out. Right. Or like we should have figured it out enough to where I don't know if this we thought that this stuff was just going to go away or like because I have a big boy job and a house and like like it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. (laughs) It doesn't go away, man. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow, both literally and metaphorically. Yeah. What what things bring you joy now? Um, Right now, I just uh, actually um got out of another episode so um right now the best thing for me is just riding my bike all over town yeah 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 so i get on i like i just get on my bike put on a podcast or an audiobook and i just bike all over the place i like to cook yeah yeah i got pretty good at cooking over quarantine oh yeah so. you're you make curry right curry stir yeah. fry all that i like to cook for my parents i like to cook for april's parents you know and that, I mean, it's funny because those are two such simple things, but it's, you lose scope of that. Yeah, you do. And yeah, those simple things can make you super happy and gra- and grounded, like most importantly. So those are two small things that kind of bring me joy right now. And when you're kind of recovering and shit, it is the little things, man. It is the littlest things. The littlest things from the biggest boy. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any any advice that you have for people? To some extent, this stuff is in your control. So it's good. Know the warning signs. Know the warning ah. signs and do the best you can at that point, especially with mania 
look out like just know what triggers you you might not be able to do it the first or the second or even the third time but eventually you'll kind of start to see a thought pattern emerge like I know mine is like um if I start feeling I have to like escape my life and start making all these crazy ass plans and that's when I know like shit's getting a little bit wonky for me yeah yeah and I to add on to that I would say like one that was big for me too was like usually like if you're in denial other people or not that you're in denial but you're just unaware there's people closest to you notice will often notice before you do that you're going down these other paths Mm -hmm. and be like hey what's going on and you know back to keenan like before i even knew that i was like really in trouble he called me and was like hey man just need you to know you're important to us. Don't do anything stupid. I'm like, what, dude? I'm not even thinking about that stuff. Oh, but really, I was thinking about that stuff. Probably. That was good that he caught you. Yeah. Well, but but that's what I mean. Is like the like there are people who recognize this stuff, and when they bring that up, rather than being like, dude, what do you, why why what would make you say that? Be like, okay, well, what do you? could you elaborate on, on what that means and like take it in without taking offense? I think, which is tough to do because us, I mean, I, I know I keep generalizing, but a, a lot of people with bipolar, like words have a ton of meaning. So we get offended kind of easily, or we take things the wrong way. So just that step back to be like, what do you mean by that? Elaborate for me. Cause it, whatever you're seeing, I don't see right now. Those are things that I've I've said a lot, especially to Kim. I'll be like, I don't see what you're seeing, so help me out here. Yeah, it's really important to have like a good support network too. So like, in, you know, it's good to lean on them, but don't lean on them for your mentals all the time because they might not, you know, not everyone gets it and stuff. So don't always lean on your friends. Like take their advice and use it and stuff and take as much advice as you can and do that, you know, and find out what works for you. So everyone's journey is different, I think. I'm not I'm no I'm no expert on this stuff. I'm, this feels like a panel or something like Well, but I mean I because your experience is unique and there are I think that there are people who need to hear stories like this and these experiences because they don't have anybody in their life that they can relate to that have been through the shit that we've been through. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think it's important for them to realize, like, I know that I said at the beginning that, like, um, that, that, like, we're not normal or that we weren't okay or whatever. It doesn't mean that you're a lost cause. Not a bit. We are, you know, if, if me, if I can have a normal life wearing black Crocs and socks... <laughs> You can, man, there's, there's, I think that there's, there's hope. There's a chance for everybody. So don't give up on yourself. No. And you're valued. That's another reason why I have you on here too, is because you are super valued. There are so many people that love you and and appreciate the the ever living shit out of you. Like I said before, just your laugh makes people feel better. Oh. K guy. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, I love you. I suppose, huh? 
You don't want to say I love you back? I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yes, you're amazing. And uh, listeners, if you have any questions or any suggestions for topics to discuss, feel free to email them uh, to chrisandpodcast at gmail.com or message the Facebook page. I'll try to answer some questions if you have them um, or suggestions for topics. We'll try to cover those too. Thank you again, Ryan, for doing this. And it's a pleasure. Do you want to plug your OnlyFans or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name is Longboy69. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you.